Meanwhile, I'm walking around in a t-shirt at 30 degrees. Nips on blast. Well, that's always. Doesn't matter the temperature. Okay. <laughs> Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. I told you I'm not going to hurt you. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. yippee Kaye, mother lover. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hi, Santa. And the scream queen, Paris. I, too, have to pee. This week, we've got a little present for you in the form of a delightful flick that takes place one dark Christmas Eve. Before we get to opening that present, though, we have some follow-up. We recently reviewed a film called Blood Rage. It was a Thanksgiving moment. I think we all remember it happening. Uh, I don't know if any of us remember it fondly, Um, but we wanted to hear what our friends thought about it. Uh, So we asked our friends on Twitter and Instagram, and 73% gave it a hack. So uh, this movie was not very well regarded amongst our friends. Uh, 27% gave it a slash, though, so there's still a few people that like it. We have a comment from Galileo on Twitter who said, Hi, I just listened to this episode this morning, and it's fantastic. I also live in Jacksonville now. Laughed my ass off the whole time. New fan in me. And welcome to the family, Galileo. Also, welcome to Jacksonville. Stay safe. God bless you. <laughs> Always good to meet a fellow Floridian, but I'm so sorry that we trashed uh, Jacksonville and made it sound so unappealing for you. This movie trashed Jacksonville. That's that's also true. Uh, this movie represented Jacksonville. Okay. We did not help, though. We also have a comment from Jason on Facebook who said, Dear God, is this movie so terrible, but absolutely hilarious. The fact that they tried to pull off the twin thing and did it so poorly made me laugh out loud. It's a hack, but a fun hack. And then Jason was really compelled to tell us more, so he said, I have to touch back on this, thinking about it more. A, no one has ever been that naked at a drive-in. Like, sex happens, a good deal of oral, but never asshole naked like that. Very true. (laughs) B, I'm glad it's pointed out that this clown-ass mom lives right next to her boyfriend, but instead sits with the operator trying to get a hold of him. Truly a moment of absurdity. I would like to note that the I feel like they pulled off the twin thing pretty well. So I'm going to disagree with that point. But the rest is valid. I think he maybe means like the the characters not recognizing that they're two completely different people. Oh, okay. All right. We also have a comment from Darren who said, I can't argue with any of the comments about this movie. And I can see why it would be a hack to the majority of people. But I love Blood Rage for its terrible acting, bizarre plot, and its fantastic gore. It's the perfect movie to watch with friends while having a few drinks. It's a hard slash for me. Great episode as always, guys. And thank you, Darren. I particularly always enjoy when people are like, oh, I love this movie because of all the things that suck about it. <laughs> yeah, Darren is actually the one uh, we mentioned a few episodes ago whose sister gave him a custom shirt of this movie as a gift. And it's like, you know what? You got to love when you love a movie that much. Yeah, that's that's some dedication. I like that. Go hard or go home. <laughs> and there's also always that element of a movie can be so bad, but it's somebody's kind of bad that they love. No yucking of yums and such, as Mac would say. <laughs> that's right. You can't yuck anyone's yum. It's not allowed. It's illegal. And finally, we have a comment from Kylie on Instagram who said, it was awesomely bad. Did you catch the brief role of condom salesman by Ted Raimi of Evil Dead fame slash bit parts in his brother Sam Raimi's films? Oh, I did. Caught it right away. And I can tell you I did not. And that's our follow-up. All right. Well, on to less controversial films. Uh, this week, we're talking about yet another film from the minds behind High Tension and both The Hills Have Eyes and Maniac Remakes. 
This week's film follows a young businesswoman attempting to leave work on Christmas Eve, only to find herself with car troubles and, of course, locked in a parking garage. And yes, of course, there's only one person around to help her or more like attempt to kill her. Honestly, folks, it's just exhibit A of why you should never trust someone with naturally angry eyebrows. But <laughs> this week, we're talking about the 2007 film P2. Now, who has seen this one before? I saw this in theaters, guys. Same! <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I um, worked at a movie theater, and this was out. And, I, you know, as an usher, you have to go in and out of the movie, check the screen, whatever that means. Make sure there's nothing on it. I don't know. So I'd walk in and watch me. I was like, man, this looks good. I'm coming back to see this. And unfortunately, like every time I wanted to watch a movie, all my friends would watch it like opening weekend. So I couldn't. So I ended up watching this by myself in a movie theater. <laughs> uh, that's creepy. Nice. Self-dates are the best. I swore that I had seen this movie before and then realized while watching it that this was not the case. Uh, I also thought it was something completely different based on the title. Uh, so I actually knew nothing about this, it turns out. So there's another movie called K2 that I initially had typed in because I knew it was a letter and a two. <laughs> and uh, I started going through and I was like, you know, this doesn't really seem like the movie we're watching this week. <laughs> anyway, uh, got to this one. Of course, I haven't seen it or heard of it and, and knew nothing at all about it. So I was a blank slate going in. You know what? I'm in the same boat. This was my first time hearing of this film, of course, watching this film um, at the same time. I'm with you, Ryan. Nice. Well, like Alexis, I actually saw this in theaters. Did not go alone. I was not. That was in a time of my life where as a you know sheltered young woman who was not allowed to go anywhere alone. But I do remember thinking of it as good for what it was, but not something that was so good. I was going to be obsessed with it and want to watch it like every single year over and over again. Now, I would love to know, though, did you have any expectations formed before you went into this? No, I had literally no expectations. I didn't know what it was about. I literally like rented and hit play, didn't read a description, didn't look at screen caps, nothing. So I went in with a just like Ryan said, a blank slate. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I think I got the vibe that it was going to be a pretty small like cast from like the I guess the artwork and I maybe read a little bit of the description. Um, but aside from that, it's not I didn't have much to go off of because it's called P2. It could have been literally anything. Also, didn't know it was going to be a Christmas movie silly as that sounds you know you think i'd realize but it, it's always a surprise really? it surprises you th this year uh, every picked a holiday <laughs> every time a holiday movie is a holiday movie i'm like oh it's a holiday movie <laughs> this is incredible <laughs> i can't believe in december we're reviewing holiday movies that's crazy i think we pulled a fast one on her by not doing gremlins and krampus <laughs> yeah it, when it's called krampus i know okay the rest of them it's just so surprising you did pull a fast one on you I was actually thinking that P2 was going to be some kind of like gaming thing. As somebody who plays a lot of video games, I was like, oh, player two. Uh, so that's where my mind went. I don't know what I was thinking it was, though, because I was like, oh, P2, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. But also thought it was about video games, but also have never seen a movie that's a horror movie about video games. So my brain's jumbled up. <laughs> one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies features like a video game element at one point. So there you go. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, where you're pulled in, the boy is pulled into the video game and has to get through it. But if he dies in the game, he dies in real life. That's probably like 17 other video game movies. That's the Jumanji remake. Hear me out. <laughs> P2, it's a scary movie where you show up and you are at somebody else's house. You always have to be player two and you always get the small controller. That's basically the whole movie. <laughs> that like doesn't work with like the broken button. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have any, doesn't have any joysticks. You only get the, the D-pad and the, you know, yada, yada. With such an, 
I don't know, like a weird name. I was expecting something maybe like Cube, like something that was not going to be a standard run-of-the-mill story. I'm thinking like P2, like this is going to be some kind of code name for something. I don't know. Like Mm. going into it, I definitely wasn't expecting what we got. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to hear what those expectations could be because when I heard of this movie, even with the title, I just always knew it to be what it was, right? Like a parking garage horror movie. And I thought that was pretty intriguing at the time. Now, I found that this time around, though, I was just as entertained as I was when I was 17 years old watching it for the first time. But what was interesting was being older and having more life experience. It actually made me appreciate the depth of our main character, Angela, a lot more. Not to say that she's super deep, right? But there are definitely some details about her that get revealed and a couple little emotional moments here and there that... I didn't appreciate or pick up on the first time around. How was this uh, experience for you folks? I literally wrote, felt stressed, even in the beginning. You know, when she's working late, that was just stressing me out. (laughs) Like I was like, man, I know that feeling right before a holiday when you're just trying to wrap up your work and you're like, damn, I got another thing on my plate to finish. And then you're like, maybe I'm going to leave like an hour or two early. And then you're there till like before everyone else, like after everyone else leaves. But um, yeah, definitely even felt stressed, you know, all like her work troubles and stuff. And, you know, there are a few times um, throughout the movie clear that's are stressful, but like, um, honestly, that's all I can say is very stressed the entire time. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like the same, it, it's hard to use another word because of the situations that she's in. Like you feel like tension and like, you're like wish you could help her figure out like what to do next and stuff like that. I think stress is the perfect word to describe it. Yeah, it was pretty consistent tension, I think, through the film. I found it to be kind of lighter tension. Maybe that's just because I'm me. But, you know, while I was watching it, I'm sitting here just thinking like there's a lot of blood in this movie. When when there is blood, there, it's not always blood, but when there is blood, there's a lot of it. And I was just, I kept coming back to that. Any scene that involved it, I was just sitting there looking at it going, why is there so much blood? Question for you, Mac. Movies that work better with different titles, would this be maybe not necessarily high tension, but perhaps medium tension? (laughs) Yeah, this is, they should just renamed it like moderate tension. Not hypertension. Oh my God. (laughs) You don't want that. You don't want it. As far as stress goes, I was the most stressed out when she was like carrying all those bags and things because that's like one of my least favorite things in life when you just like have a bunch of shit in your arms and you're like, ugh, and then everything goes wrong and you have to carry it like up and down and every which way. But beyond that, this movie like didn't really stress me out. It was like trying to climb a wall, but the wall was made of Teflon. Like I couldn't really grab onto anything. Like nothing was really like sticking for me. Um, I also was sort of like really aware. I was like, this is probably a very terrifying movie. If you are a woman who has lived through these experiences your entire life and Mm -hmm. you're always afraid that this is going to happen because it could. Uh, So that was something I found myself unable to really like relate to and overall unable to like sink my teeth into. You can't relate to being drugged and tased. (laughs) I think you could relate. Now that part. (laughs) It's not that female specific. It is because that's the character in the movie. But we could have had the same roles, uh, the same issues with the roles reversed, you know? Yeah. He wasn't that tall. She could have taken him. to me all the time. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, this is why Mac parked on the top floor of the parking garage now. (laughs) Paris, I would like to note that the other day I was walking in the mall. Uh, and I was literally just like overcome with the concept of men that j- can just walk around with a wallet and a phone in their pockets and that's it. Yeah. I hate that. I saw a person and I was just like, 
you don't have to carry anything with you. You had to, you have no bags. You just have nothing. It's amazing. That's also me. What else do we have to carry? You don't have to carry anything. That's the point. And you're going to say, I don't have to carry anything either. But that's not the case. No, no, no. I just, I don't understand, obviously, because I don't have that perspective. So um, I have a small argument for this because I feel like I walk in and I'm like, I think it's because our pockets are too tight. Yeah. We because only, I have a wallet off. and keys and yeah. my phone. And I was like, man, I, I can't fit all of this in my pockets. No, you got to have a bag. You always got have stuff it's the patriarchy alexis exactly <laughs> i do have a confession i always bring a backpack everywhere even if it just has like my wallet and keys in it because i hate having like lumps in my pockets because it looks ugly so i always have a bag yeah but then you look like you're shoplifting <laughs> that's what my boyfriend always says but i also use it like if you ever need to buy something you can save a bag so i just like put it in my backpack it's from living in new york you need a good satchel yeah get a satchel okay i respect satchels I'm just saying, I, I feel the pain, the stress of carrying bags because carrying bags is trash, okay? Mm -hmm. And garments. It's like the groceries thing. I think everyone can relate to that. Like when you don't want to make two trips. Oh, I'm not. Don't worry. <laughs> Chris, I actually love that you bring that up because what I found for this movie is it, it. this movie itself isn't frightening, but it does paint the picture of everyday scenarios that are extremely frightening, just like you said. And Ryan, I know you said that the rules could easily be reversed, and for sure they could, but there are even some little microaggressions that are worked in there. No, I'm pretty good about not leaving my lights on, for example. Oh, yes. It reminded me of this moment when, back when we covered He Knows You're Alone, it's actually Tom Hanks' first movie ever. It's in episode 42, if you want to check that out. We talked about how that movie in particular plays on women's fears and intuition, right? And it's how like a patriarchal society has created a reality where women's heightened senses of awareness is akin to paranoia. And I remember even our boy Peach mentioned that he didn't find that movie scary at all, just like you are now, Paris. But he had to adjust his perspective over the course of the episode to consider how women felt, right? So how he can go jogging and he's not afraid. But if you were to run or come across a woman on his jog, she probably is concerned or just like has one eye, you know, has one eye on figuring out what's going on. This movie, I think, is, is similar in the sense of what it's handling, but it handles it so completely differently. And I think it leans enough into the, you know, the thriller horror category that, like Ryan, you said, the roles could be reversed and it could be done, done well. But I also feel like it is a good modern take on the realities of what it means to be a working woman and the many ways you can be objectified some more extreme than others yeah exactly you don't even get like um you get some of the video uh of what happens with um jim and angela and this you know you see this tension and that's like kind of frightening because you know like she didn't want to have this conversation and he's right there and it's like you know she wanted to get out of this and i mean that's not frightening, but just like having that in her head. And then like, honestly, like parking garages, empty ones, not empty ones. They're always creepy. Um, I lived in DC and I kept my car in a garage there and commuted back and forth from where I lived. It was just a lot easier. And it was always just so terrifying. Like you're never like nice garage. Like I've never seen a nice garage. Never, They're never. terrifying. And you hear things. And I don't know. I'm always looking behind my back um, when I'm in a parking garage, especially at night. There's too many crevices. That's the problem. Yeah. Mm, this this definitely. Yeah. <laughs> this definitely played on my fears for sure. Yeah. Let me, let me be clear here. I'm not trying to say that this is not specific to the female experience because this story definitely is i just am i guess intrigued that paris said like he finds it hard to like grasp onto anything because it seems like such an easy 
thing to relate to, but that's because I relate to it. <laughs> so yep. I'm, I, I'm aware of my, of my bias in that situation. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Parking garages are really creepy. Um, I, th- these are all things that if you are a woman, you definitely know all these, you'll identify every single little, uh, thing that happens in this movie that's scary or something you've thought about before or something like that. And it's uh, maybe if you're a man, you don't, or you do. I think it just kind of depends on what your experiences have been in the world, but there's definitely some stuff in this that will either scare you in the movie because it's like gruesome and creepy or, you know, stuff you think about outside of this. So obviously I wasn't scared. Let's let's get that out of the way. Of course not. But when I have to park in a parking garage, let's say I'm leaving work or something or coming to work, whatever it is, depending on the time of day, I will often carry my large, you know, insulated metal water bottle outside of my backpack. It's more of like a being prepared kind of situation because you're always walking out and it's dark. There's always a couple of cars that people, people are still doing stuff inside and there's always someone in their car. Or a group of people right outside a car. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying like I'm suspicious of those people. I'm just saying anything could go down. And if someone were to come up to me, I just want to have something that I could hit them with perhaps. I'm not suspicious of those people, just the circumstances and those people. Yeah. Because those people are probably not the issue. It's the people, you know, it's the person lurking that you don't suspect. It's the one you don't see. Exactly. And so I'm going to have that hydro flask ready to go. I'm about to go get one just because I never thought about that because they sell all these like weapons sort of things and those are hard to like get out. And honestly, sometimes you can hurt yourself using those. But I like that just and I'm always carrying a water bottle. Standard hydro flask is great. It's got the loop at the top. So it's good for swaying. Yeah. If you ever (laughs) needed to. Just like keep it back here. Just keep it back here. Also, if you like drop it on a concrete like parking garage ground, it makes the loudest noise. It's such a loud noise. Yeah. Girl, I thought you had one. I thought that's what you got all the horror movie stickers for. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not a Hydra flask. It's a something off of Amazon. Yeah. But yeah. And, you know, same, same, different. That's still, that works. It has like a hole up top though, right? Yes. You need one with like It's a on loop. the side, but I think I need something a little bit bigger. This is 24 ounces. I think I need like 32. <laughs> yeah. Hydro flask is not touting their like self-defense features <laughs> or anything. <laughs> they really good. aren't. They're missing their chances. <laughs> need that 36 to 40 ounce bottle just saying that's it's like I a think, baseball yeah. bat yeah that's what i need you know d- despite the ways we can all relate to this i will admit that this was one of those movies that i did think about uh working in virginia with ryan and mac and you know walking through the parking garage two o'clock in the morning after doing an overnight shift at our job and just been like why is this car still here and why are there people outside of it i don't know any of them they don't look familiar does it particularly remind you of the time that I had a flat tire at one of those late shifts and then everyone left me and I was left in the parking lot by <gasps> myself? Oh, no. This was before I knew you, but I remember you commenting on why you hated this person who did see you <laughs> and didn't do anything to help you and just yes, left. Someone, someone left me. That bothers me that I didn't know about this. It's okay. The, the, the relationship has been repaired now. Okay. <laughs> but it does make me think of like, I feel like if you have employees that have to walk out a good distance to get to their parking or if they have to go into a parking garage, 
you should have a mandatory buddy system. Mm. Yeah. Like you can't control people do as soon as they walk out, but two people should at least have to walk out together. I've worked in places that did that. And I think it, it can be good as long as you get to pick your buddy. So we've had people that have tried to do that before, but I get annoyed by it because I'm like, I'm a strong woman. I don't need anybody to walk out with me. So that's that will be how I die. My famous last words will be, <laughs> I didn't need anyone to walk with me. It's not to protect you. It's to be a witness. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's there that's the reason someone, the these people should be paired together. So you have somebody to strand you. I don't like the like required <laughs> talking that you have to do when you walk out with somebody, you know? Like somebody that you don't really want to talk to. Mm, yeah. The small talk is atrocious, truly. That is a real horror of everything. <laughs> like in this movie, when Angela had to do that small talk on the way to the elevator with Tom, it was miserable. Exactly. Literally, she didn't get to talk to anybody that wasn't miserable. That's true also. Even the people who got into the elevator who weren't talking to her were also miserable. And I will say that for as much as I've been reminded about this movie over the years, I, I was surprised that I was surprised this time around. I was surprised that, you know, I could remember clearly the sequence of events, but not remember the details of her background or her relationship with her family. And appreciating that now made those little moments of emotion feel a lot bigger. And so it gave this movie a completely different tone to me. And I just, I don't know, I feel a little disappointed in 17-year-old Chris for not picking up on that and, you know, being wary of what was to come in the world. Same. Same, same, same. I feel like I watched this and I remember certain parts, um, especially very vividly. But yeah, I don't remember those other parts because I was like, oh, interesting. I don't remember the end, but I remember this, this, and this part. But yeah, I didn't really remember much about um, Angela and her backstory either, which I was really happy to watch again. I think for me, the surprising thing, which Matt kind of already mentioned, but was it was the gore. It takes a while to get there. And then when you get it, you're like, what? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm Even sorry. The guy who directed this directed the you Maniac remake. <laughs> should know me well enough to know that I don't have any idea who did anything. First and foremost, <laughs> I text Chris and said, wow, this Tom guy's pretty good actor. And she goes, yeah, <laughs> I think we know. And I was like, I don't know him from anything. Evidently, he's great in Hunger Games. Yeah, he was Seneca Crane. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. He looks so familiar, but I just didn't know what he was in. You guys are thinking about him from the Hunger Games? I am. Same. What else is he from? What else? Okay. Star Trek. Star Trek. Other yeah. sci-fi properties. <laughs> no, no. Because the thing that surprised me, because I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, dude, Plastic Bag Boy from American Beauty is like so creeptastic in such a new and wonderful way. Oh my God. Is that him? I've never seen that. Oh, wow. You haven't seen American Beauty? I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, it got canceled this year. Kevin Spacey, but. Rip. Yeah, rip. But what I do know about that movie is that it put him on the map. And he went on like a decade-long heroin binge, and he was accepting roles just to get money for drugs. This movie included. Oh, my God. It looks like <laughs> it. He's a handsome fella. If you like heroin chic. I mean, I thought he was cute. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, you know, I don't know who anybody is. When it, I don't know who makes a movie who, you know, I never knew who's behind things until we get to the podcast, so... I wasn't expecting that gore at all. I was kind of blown away by it, to be honest. It was crushing. I was surprised by, I'll say, how intentionally a lot of these like microaggressions and these these female and a male dominated workplace environment, how intentionally those scenes were portrayed. Um, because from the jump, you're like already exhausted being in this woman's shoes because of what she's had to get go through to get to this point before the movie, and then everything she goes through subsequently. Um, so I was surprised at how. 
well that was done. And for 2007, like it was a little bit ahead of its time. It for sure was. Next week, we're going to get to a movie that was made in 2006 that I feel is very much a product of its time in all the wrong ways. So then to see this movie from 2007, just one year later, uh, be so ahead of its time, right? Like this is pre Me Too Reckoning handling the subject matter that it's handling and still being reserved just enough to not let it like dominate the story, but it just gives you the appropriate dose. I think it's super well done in that regard. And that's one of one of the high points for this movie. But I will say, apart from that, it's not really original. It's a great parking garage movie, but I wouldn't say it's original. What about you folks? It's I mean, it's not original. Creepy dude stalks someone he works with been done before it's going to keep being done it's relatable it's realistic it's not original but it's tried and true yeah totally we're in a uh, garage movie which i'm sure i'm trying to think of i don't feel like there's not many movies at least horror movies that are solely based in a garage but it's definitely a theme in a lot of movies or at least in a, a few scenes even the stalking that's you know a part of horror movies i mean there's a lot of tropes and a lot of cliches in this movie but even the pacing felt familiar i don't know what it was you know when you're in chase and stalking movies like you have this you know back and forth back and forth then you have a lull and then you where you think you know the final girl or final guy or whoever it is is gonna win and then you're like just uh -uh. it's it's the same it's the same movie i've seen before but yeah Still interesting. We've also seen a lot of these guys' movies. So that might be why too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like like what you said. It's you're used to seeing the scene and so it doesn't feel original as a movie because we've seen so many scenes in a parking garage with a creepy guy and someone chasing so and so and whatever. Um, it kind of feels like the horror version of that episode of Seinfeld where they spend the entire time in the parking garage where you're like, man, I just wish y'all would get out the parking garage. But that's the point. That's the whole concept. You know, I feel like uh, over the course of this episode, many reasons why I love Ryan so much will be revealed. And her love of Seinfeld and being able to reference an episode of Seinfeld is chief among them. I feel bad because I think this movie is original, not in the the story sense, because it's pretty basic like cat and mouse stuff but maybe it's just my like lack of references but i feel like i've never seen anything that takes place exclusively inside of a parking garage and i feel like this movie used that as a setting very well they explored like pretty much every angle there would be to explore in this kind of thing um and i feel like it did it with original effect Paris, hmm, i'm gonna blow your mind you know colin farrell did a movie where it's all in just one phone booth <laughs> oh my god i've seen that movie god damn oh, i'm glad we're here <laughs> i forgot about that i don't know i tried looking this up and i have not found one that's at least horror movie that's based on solely in a garage there is a low budget direct vhs 1991 film called lower level that's basically this plot oh have I seen it? No. No. <laughs> Did I find it on the internet? Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe there's a reason there's not a lot of movies fully filmed in a parking garage, you know? Yeah, there's not much you can do. I feel like Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift was half filmed in a parking garage. I feel like part of this movie was Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. For like one second, it did yeah. go that route. <laughs> I love it. And you were just like, oh. For the briefest moment. That's different. Fast and the Furious franchise, I liked maybe the first movie. As they continued on, I was sick of them. I don't think I've seen anything past three, much like the Saw series. But what I do know is I was never particularly satisfied with those endings. However, I did enjoy this one. What a segue. <laughs> it was a solid enough ending. I'll give it some credit. There was a little 
I don't know, vindication, maybe we could call it. I don't know. There's some satisfaction in the end. So it was, you know, it, w- it was satisfying. I did love the ending. You know, there's a final part that reminds me a lot of other movies I've been seen recently as well. And it just gives me like a really like feel good feeling. Feel good feeling? Yeah. Feel good feeling. <laughs> yes. you, you feel good. I feel good. All of you. Alexis feels good at the end of horror movies. She's hooked on a feeling. <laughs> I actually disagree. I did, I did not feel the satisfaction that I was looking for at the end of this. There's this very specific, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a few reasons why, but there was something that I was looking for that I didn't get. And so I was just like a little, yeah, you know, it wasn't bad. It's like an average slice of pizza. Uh, Nope. All pizza's good. So. Not that. <laughs> Not all pizza. It's an average brownie. I guarantee I can give you an average slice of pizza. I guarantee you I will enjoy it. Okay? Don't test me. Or do test <laughs> me. I'm fine with that too. The ending for this for me, um, it felt kind of predictable. And then like the end end, I was kind of just like, really? All this? And then you get pneumonia and die? <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, Meh. Is that your headcanon that you dreamed up as an alternate ending for this movie? That is statistically inevitable, considering the circumstances. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I guess how cold can you get in New York City on Christmas Eve? Pretty fucking cold, I bet. I was going to say pretty cold. (laughs) Soaking wet. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm walking around in a t-shirt at 30 degrees. Nips on blast. Well, that's always. Doesn't matter the temperature. Okay. Just a glass cutter. (laughs) Well, average slice of pizza ending, predictable ending, uh, pretty satisfying ending or very cold ending. Let's see how it all translates into those scores. Now, while we get our thoughts together, we do have a little bit of business to button up. Alexis, how many people died in this movie? We have uh, three people who have died in this movie. Wah, wah, wah. Pretty low, but it is a parking garage. I know. I was like, you can only have so many. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, everyone's home where they should be. <laughs> Ryan, what about that animal report? Ooh, I know I'm usually here to make a clever joke. Unfortunately, there is not a clever joke to be made. The animal report is not looking good in this movie. We do get, a, a, it's pretty much the worst an animal report can be. So, uh, you know, be warned, be prepared. It's it's rough. Well, as tragic as that animal report is, let's see if it impacts those scores. P2 from 2007. Was it a hack or a slash? This is the kind of movie that doesn't really require a huge mental investment. So you could probably watch it while uh, doing the laundry or scrolling your Instagram. But it doesn't make it a bad movie. That just makes it a casual slash in my book. I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in the movie theater, which is pretty interesting. Yet there's still some things that are really stuck in my head on this movie. And I I appreciate that. But yeah, it's an easy watch. It's, you know, around 90 minutes. You know, I love that. So it just, you know, ticked everything. The gore, the uh, (laughs) runtime, you know, the characters, you know, the suspense, the stress. You know, it was good. Yeah, I think it wasn't. You know, something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to give this a slash. Yeah, I'm kind of in a, a similar boat for you guys. I think this is a good, chill movie. It's certainly not something that I'm going to write home about. It's not a favorite. But it also didn't have anything that like turned me off, made me really annoyed or, uh, you know just didn't do it for me it's weird it didn't do it for me but it did not do it for me perfectly average yeah if it's perfectly average there are a few things it's weird because the runtime is really good on paper but in it i definitely at some point was like have i been watching this person in a parking garage for three hours because it <laughs> felt like it um because she was waiting that long that's probably why <laughs> yes yeah i felt like i was with her in the, in the experience truly 
so you know it's not perfect i definitely could have done uh without some elements of the gore that we get there i don't know why and we obviously we'll talk about this more but it just like got got me it got me i don't know it's okay it's a soft slash a casual slash if you will the acting was quite good. That is something that really stood out to me. I really enjoyed the acting from Tom and and Angela. I don't know how I'm going to hack this movie after such emphatic slashes from you three. Uh, but here I go. That wasn't emphatic <laughs> at all. Uh, okay. That's the that joke. joke. Exactly. You guys are all very <laughs> milquetoast about this movie. Mac, you said that this movie does not require a lot of mental investment. And I totally agree. That's one reason I didn't really care for it. I wasn't invested. I couldn't really like dig my teeth into it and care. Um, Ryan, you said that this movie was only an hour and a half, but felt longer. I totally felt that too. At one point I was like, this movie does feel three hours long. So I feel ya. Um, I actually started this movie yesterday, got really bored about 30 minutes in and was like, I can't watch this right now. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. I finally sat down, started it again from the beginning. And ultimately, and this is where I feel like I'm going way off base with the rest of you. I felt like Tom was so poorly cast that he ruined the entire movie because the whole thing is like based on these two characters. Angela, she was decent. She got better towards the end, but kind of blah. But Tom was like so overacting at times. He was making such big choices with the script that I was just like, you're not really capturing the essence of like a creepy, pervy, psychotic weirdo that's stuck in a parking garage all day. What? Partially because he's way too good looking to play this role. What? I don't understand. Partially because screaming dialogue doesn't make you seem like a genuinely crazy person. Maybe whispering the dialogue. I don't know. Different choices would have made this so much better, but I have like five different notes in here that are all about how poorly he acted in this role. I think if we cast anyone else in this, we could make this happen. I would like to translate. Paris just said, I could be a better crazy person than you. This movie's not good. Oh, for sure. What are you, an expert here? (laughs) I think most of us could handle this script in a way that is better than Wes Bentley did. And now I feel bad now that I know about the heroin thing. I'm like, okay, maybe that's part of it. But ultimately, I'm like, he ruined this movie. This was bad to watch. I wasn't scared at all because he wasn't scaring me. He Mm. seemed like a loser nerd. You, But not a threatening one. You haven't met enough normal creepy men. That's your problem. I am a normal creepy man, and I could not relate. No. (laughs) No, you're not. not. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not. That means it's working. And he's not attractive. He's, uh, you may be. He's attractive, but like. He's not my type. Needed to wash his hair. He's the type of, uh, he's like the type of attractive that makes you not instantly not speak to him. Like, I know that sounds terrible, but we're talking about a movie here, right? He's average. Right. He's average. I would never go up to him in a bar, but if he came up to me at the gym, I might give him a Right, but if it was like a super, (laughs) there's levels, right? If it was a super creepy security dude, she wouldn't go ask for help with her car. There's no way she would walk with him anywhere, right? So he is like just enough attractiveness, but he's not attractive. He's not too attractive for the role. I'm here to argue with you, Paris. (laughs) That's okay. I appreciate it. Wes Bentley in this movie is half of why the movie is so good. He's so unassuming. Oh, God. Oh, no, 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 no. Because he perfectly captures this idea of like, you know, why women are so hesitant sometimes to tell men I'm not interested because then it suddenly becomes the, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to do this. He's that kind of guy. This movie is a good time for as milquetoast as some of the comments were, I think, as you as you put it, Paris. This movie, I think I would have felt that way too. I would have been like, oh yeah, it's perfectly fine, middle of the road, based on my recollection of this movie. And there are a lot of things in this movie that are dated. 
uh, the cell phones, the Bluetooth headset in the beginning of the movie, the taxi cab. I don't know. I just, it feels weird. Like, you know, like with as on demand as Uber is now, I feel like you're not going to be stressing about your taxi cab leaving you and taking so long to get to you. But the cinematography and the storytelling are not. The performances are not dated. And I expected this to be pretty damn superficial run of the mill. But on another watch, I found more things to appreciate. So it went from being a soft slash to a hell yeah, this is a slash. Absolutely. It's a good movie. Is it top tier horror? No. But it's a great thriller. And it's a little like little nook of being what horror is. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how the gore shakes out for Alexis. But with that... P2 from 2007 gets four slashes and one hack. Now you can find this movie streaming for free on Peacock, so go check it out and then join us in the second half so we can hear Ryan and Paris argue. (laughs) We'll see you in a bit. Parking is hard. Finding a safe place to park is even harder. Make sure you get locked in with your car safe and sound. Safe Park parking garages automatically lock you in so nobody can steal your car. Reinforced steel gates, lack of overhead lighting to keep you and your car safely obscured, and cell phone signal blocking, you know, just cause. So uh, yeah, Safe Park, park safely. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for P2. That 2007 film earned four slashes and one hack. Now, we have a lot to get to here because, you know, before the break, Paris opened up this insane can of saying that Tom had a terrible performance. But before we get to unpacking all of that, Alexis, what you got for that gore score? I think for what you see, which is to me only three scenes, but... um. <laughs> They're very intense. Like, it's a very, you know, limited amount, but I think it's super bloody. So I think it's pretty high, you know. It's so crazy because this movie, what I remember about it is the gore. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, specifically, like, a a good scene when someone gets crushed against the cement wall by a car. Love that scene. You know, you get a first hit and you see his kind of head explode. I'm like, how is this dude even live? You see it come out of the top and then you see his entrails. It's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Did he deserve it? Yes. Of <laughs> <laughs> course. Yes. For what you get, though, I think it's it's perfect. It's on brand for me. It's what I remember. And it honestly is just like a, it's a hot dog kill for me. That one definitely is for sure. Um, I know you mentioned Ryan, though, like you did not appreciate some of this as much as I did. Yeah, it was like a little too intense like the especially the scene with the car because it's like i was trying to figure it out because i was like that's not the most gore we've seen in something you know i didn't really feel like that kill by itself is like terrifier level but i think because it's in the context of a movie where like you go so long with no gore and then you get that three times in a row on screen it's just like a lot all at one time and so it just kind of like put me off a bit it's, and I, I I think it all has to do with how there's none absolutely no gore I mean uh, I don't know the fork stab which is like nothing it's like basically a it, paper yeah. cut I want her to do something a little bit more with that yeah and then and then to go to three times crushing a man into a wall after like beating him almost to death basically like it's just a little too much for me yeah and i think it that scene too it has a lot of buildup um because you know they're in the car and they're having this moment and you know she's trying to use reverse psychology on him and i'm like maybe he's dumb maybe it's gonna work and he's like huh, no stop saying my name it never works it, yeah i mean uh, i feel like with dumb guys it does in movies <sighs> with psychopaths alexis oh, okay. is what I mean. <laughs> 
My bad. Say in real life, it actually does. You say their name a few times, and actually, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I usually comply when people say my name a few times. Oh my god! Honestly, you say my name, I'm your best friend. Yeah, <laughs> start saying my name. I'm like Ryan. Yes, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I'll does do the that. volume make a difference with which it is said? Uh, well, yeah. If you're yelling my name, yes, <laughs> it does matter. Depends in what sense you're yelling. Yeah. This is interesting. My girlfriend said my name the other day, and I was like, I, this seems weird. You saying my name? Relationships are different. Mm. It's strangers when strangers say your name. Everyone likes to hear their name from a stranger. Yeah, because they're like they're paying attention. But yeah, it is. It's weird from a significant other. I feel like you're like, wait, I have a name. Yeah. <laughs> that typically means you've done something wrong if they're saying your name, though. No, or they're saying something really hot. I feel like it's the sexiest thing when someone says your name, like that you're into. Okay. Okay. But going back to like what we were talking about is there's this like buildup and I like that too. So you've waited so long and then you're like, is something going to happen? And then I was like, I'm pretty sure this scene happens. And I think my favorite is like when they're just taking him before that for the joy ride. And I was like, that's pretty sick. Like when, when the, they're when pushing the, him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was funny. That was an original moment. Yeah. I have to tell you guys a story. When I was little, I was holding onto my feet, walking on my knees on my couch as a thing you do with as a child. Like you'd like use your knees as like peg legs basically, right? I think, yeah, I, I think you need to go demonstrate on my no. couch. <laughs> anyway, so I thought, oh, this is great. Let me step onto the floor. No. And um, I don't know how... How you guys think that would work, but it didn't work very well. <laughs> you and fell I, on your face. Yeah, I fell and broke my nose and was <gasps> blacked out. And yeah. So anyway, I always have this fear of like, and the problem was that I had my hands stuck behind my back. So I always have this fear of my hands being tied and like falling onto my face. And when he was being pushed in that chair, all I could think about is the chair's gonna flip over and he's just gonna like smash like helplessly against the asphalt. And it was horrific. Oh, if only it was just that. If only, if only that was the issue, honestly. <laughs> that was, it was a surprising moment of gore. And it, the rest of the movie, it also was kind of just sprinkled in. It wasn't like a lot constantly. I mean, when we get to like the whole stabbing in the eye, that surprised me. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I was expecting like maybe like a vindictive stab in the shoulder or the neck or something like that, but like straight for the eye. Yeah, it's pretty intimate. And I think yeah. that shows like kind of her, you know, character developing. I mean, not. I don't think she even d- developed that much. I think she was strong when she started and I think she ended strong too. Yeah, you know she's strong because she mentioned growing up on a farm in Maine and that's how you know she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. <laughs> also, she's strong enough to know that she di- doesn't keep the light on in the car to let her battery die. <laughs> yeah, and she wasn't she wasn't going to let somebody tell her differently. She's like, "I didn't put the light on." And then he's going to be the jerk to be like, you know, it's really easy to do. Uh, reality is not reality because I'm abusive. And no, she's like, well, no. I feel like most women in that situation are like, yeah, you actually might be right, even though they know they didn't. Like, I would say something like that. Good. You should say no next time. Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning to say no. I, I do want to talk about Rocky. Yeah. I think all of the gore on screen was too much. But it's like t- three scenes. Like, how is it just so much? But it's so on screen Rocky, with yeah, what they're doing. Is. Rocky's added sound effects, though. Yeah. That was where it, it was made, like, there was like a squashing. And they had to have, they had to have the dog come back for more. And then, oh, more stabbing, more stabbing. And yeah. I was like, come yeah. on. And then the twisting on top of it. Yeah. yeah. I did not need to hear dog whis- whimpers at all. Oh. I would like to say, when an animal dies in a film, it's usually for no reason like it's usually something like a killer came in and just wanted to get rid of him or like whatever it's usually something dumb it's rarely literally to save yourself and i will at least say 
since we do have a horrible, gruesome animal death on screen in this movie, it is at least in a scene where, like, she did, you know, basically have no choice, right? Like, uh, that dog behaving the way he's behaving, running after you, and you try to hide from it. Like, I'm sure that she didn't seem like she wanted to do that, right? So that is one thing that I will give it credit for, even as horrific as it is. And also proof that anytime you interact with a dog or in, or even in the vicinity of a dog, you should make friends with it because that would have saved all her problems. She would have been good. <laughs> Ryan, what was the uh, alternate ending you made up for this movie? So as I was watching this during the scene where she's running and Rocky gets let loose. In my head, this movie goes, she runs, Tom releases Rocky, Rocky chases her, catches up, jumps on her, and licks her whole face. It's great. <laughs> That's what happens in this movie. Nice. That's it. I wish that was what happened. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that Rocky became her friend and then turned on Tom. Ooh, yeah. And that would have been a real good boy. I do think, you know, as amazing as Jim's death is, well, I mean, I guess amazing is a generous use of the word, right? It's intense. It's there. It's a horror movie. If that's what you're looking for, that's your moment. I got to say worst death in this film because I, I don't even have a favorite. Uh, Carl didn't deserve it. No, he didn't. I was wondering where Carl was at the entire time. It was so annoying because she said it a lot. And I was like, I knew he was dead. But I was like, is this dude going to show up or not? Like to save the day? Because I think I, you're always used to that one person helping that, you know, disappeared in the movie. But yeah, it was really sad. It was really sad. And then she really thought he was still alive and was shaking. I'm like, girl, he's I dead, know. man. Such a nice guy, too. My favorite kill was the dog kill because it's the only time I felt anything during this movie. What did you feel? Sad. I like winced and recoiled. <laughs> okay. Okay. When the people died, I was like, eh. I also didn't really feel like this was much of a horror movie. Again, it was like one of those for me where I was like, is this horror? And I feel like the only reason it, it stuck the horror landing was with its somewhat gratuitous use of gore in the moments that it happened. Speaking of gore, when she chips a nail, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, who in their right mind voluntarily removes the whole nail after that? Truly no one in this world. And also no one has ever scraped their hands on the ground and the whole nail the whole back. nail yeah i cannot relate i uh -uh. don't really have nails i was like press it back on and salvage it for later bitch don't just toss the whole thing okay okay so it'll regrow because i've had i've had some toenails removed multiple times and they can Ew. regrow just sure. give it time yeah but like no you don't just like peel off a nail that's truly an image that makes my teeth hurt for some reason. <laughs> like even that in uh, the opening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, it's like a bunch of flashes with pictures and you see where like someone's fingernail is because they were like clinging to the wall. It's, it feels like all the nerve endings in my body just go tingling and then I feel sudden pain in my teeth. It's, it's weird. Yeah, that was definitely one of those just to make you creeped out in this movie types of scenes because it's not like it's just not happening also, holding a cell phone one inch outside of the thing, like it was just all eh, a whole little bit there was a bit goofy, I'll say. You know, you remember these were early days when we used to just, you know, hold our phones up hoping for more, better reception. Everyone knows you have to put it to your chin to get the good, this, the good reception. What? I literally never heard of that. Never heard of that either. <laughs> That's because you had good service. Okay. <laughs> gotta get gotta get the cheap flip phones. And if you needed service, you hold it to your chin and it uses your head to make the signal better. Wow. She was a businesswoman. 
That wasn't a cheap cell phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she didn't need to hold it out the door. I will say that that nail scene definitely made a case for a woman having like a two inch long acrylic nail. Because if she had, she'd have been able to reach that phone. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. I love you it. You are right. <laughs> they are for utility. Okay. <laughs> Talk about good scenes though. Playing chicken in the cars was kind of a fun, fun little scene. And then like flipping the car. Now that's pod racing. I hate Mac. <laughs> I do agree. That was like right when I was bored and then they were in the cars and I was like, all right, we'll have a little uh, Fast and the Furious real quick, you know, make it happen. It's pretty good. But it was a, uh, an intense flip um, that she at least, at least it, she made a payoff for herself. Yeah, she did the thing I was hoping she would do, which was like play dead for a minute. I don't know. There was a lot of things that I wish she had done differently. In the movie, like, I don't know, say something when she was on the phone and he had not yet shown signs of violence, but I don't know. What do I know? I've never been kidnapped. Me neither. Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> One of the things that I love when you're talking about scenes, this isn't my favorite scene, but it's how I choose to look at the movie now. You open up, you get this really slow movement around this very cold looking parking garage. Everything's very coolly lit. You have Santa Baby playing. And then you have a bar poking out the lock and then the trunk popping open. And it feels like a suddenly, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. And that's the movie. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so true. How she got here. I got kind of like, there. that was a jump scare for me in the beginning, for sure. Through that little TV. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was, um, I just love the um, elevator scene when it's filling up with water and, you know, she's just, I, I thought it was a little much at the same time because I was like, yep, she would be wearing a white shirt or a white dress <laughs> and she would be filled in a room with water, but okay. Yeah, Alexis, this was their prototyping for crawl. There you go. That's what I, I got, that's what the vibes I got. I did. I was like, okay, predator in there. Let's throw them in. One trick ponies, these guys. <laughs> they love the success for all the movies that had fallen. <laughs> I think that scene specifically was really successful before the water for me because when she got herself like locked into this elevator, it's like, you know, I start thinking about what could happen next and we kind of know that the building is probably going to be empty for like three days or so. And I'm like, man, like if you had to, you could make it in an elevator for three days. Like it would be miserable. You certainly wouldn't want to. But if you could stay safe in that elevator for three days you'd be fine, um, hopefully, if someone actually shows up. And, like, there's a lot of evidence at this point. Um, very difficult to hide what happened here. Someone's going to figure it out. So I, I thought, like, you know, I was feeling, like, a little bit hopeful and stuff. And then he just pops his little head out from upstairs. And he's like, oh, look, elevator shaft. I'm going to get the hose out. And it's just this, like, dreadful moment where you're like, oh, no. And I'm not so sure that the elevator would hold water as it did in this movie. It kind of doesn't uh, make physics sense to me. Um, but we'll just go with it, you know. Things are what they are. But that that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, she'll be fine. And then it was not fine. Ryan, I thought the same thing about, like, the logistics of that uh, elevator filling up with water. Because when I was little, I used to, like... I would like take a bath, but then turn the shower on and close the shower curtain. And I thought that if the tub filled up past the tub, the shower curtain would hold all the water in and it would just like fill up to the ceiling. 
And that's not how that works either. Okay. (laughs) I was like five. I am familiar with the bath shower though. Okay. Very familiar. Those are kind of interesting. But yeah, that was also my favorite scene. Everything in the elevator I thought was really successful. I feel like that was almost like a a mini movie inside of the greater movie in that it was like, you were in this one confined space and now you're in an even smaller confined space. (laughs) And then I was also getting Silence of the Lambs vibes. I was like, I'm waiting for him to like pop up as the dead body on top of the elevator. But then he actually did Hannibal Lecter one further and not only filled it with water, but also threw another corpse on there. The fun game for our listeners this month is going to be connect the dots between all the movies. (laughs) Uh, There's some dialogue that's similar. There's some elevator moments. And uh, there's even some cannibalism scattered through. So, Oh, yeah. Like the, the part where he's like, you're trying to humanize me. I was like, mm, Silence of the Lambs reference. There you go. There you go. Let us know, folks. The elevator scene was a really, really good one. My favorite one, though, and I think it's because it's one of the best uses of what I think I love so much about this movie visually. And it was when she's walking through the garage and she pulls the cell phone to her face, lights up, and he's revealed behind her before the first bout of chloroform. And that moment, they're leveraging their shadows in that garage so beautifully it took the natural gift that setting gives and they played on it so well. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite visual um, and just m- another added scene. And it's just, yeah, like using, I mean, think about when you're in a garage, there's like so many shadows, things can pop out, you know, and I'm one of those people that for some reason, like clothes can be like on the bed and I look over, I'm like, it's a person somehow. It looks like it's a monster crawling at me or something like that. But yeah, I loved it because I, I don't think I was expecting it. Um, even had se- um, even though I had seen this before, but um, yeah, just that light and then it's on him. And I'm like, oh, what is he going to do? Or is he going to try something or is it just want a look for us to know that he is watching? And that was not the case. <laughs> she got the chloroform, which took kind of a while. I've always seen movies where they just put it on and they're instantly gone. So I'm, I don't have any experience. Like, you know, she grew up on a farm in Maine. She's around <laughs> weird smells all the time. Yeah, she's probably like chloroform, been there, done that. Like, <laughs> I'm immune. I have a chloroform diffuser at my house. Mmm, quality. I think for me, from like a visual perspective, I think one of my favorite sets in this movie, obviously we get a lot of very similar gray walls, you know, parking garage. Uh, his office is like pretty freaking cool obviously he's got the creepiest setup in like the classic like we're gonna have a nice dinner together um i i like found it very interesting that she was only chained or handcuffed at her ankle and her hands were free i felt like she had a lot more freedom than she took advantage of there but then you have like of course the dog like guarding right and then he's got leftovers and he's like oh i hope it's still warm but if not i got a microwave and like yeah this is a disgusting little life that you live in this little room where you just have to exist for hours and hours and hours um but i really enjoyed that whole obviously that's like the first thing we get and it's weird because when she walks up to it when she's alive (laughs) when she's you know walking up to it by chance by choice it's all like lit up with like christmas lights and it looks nice i'm like wow look one of her friends and yeah that's not how that went (laughs) Mm, not the spirit of christmas in that one i mean he had he had spirit what about that elvis record player oh it was pretty great you i don't know if you guys know how much i enjoy elvis chris is an elvis fan yes this is another reason why i love her yes and he also tom totally has the elvis like look in a way, not fat Elvis, but skinny Elvis. 
I don't know. That was an interesting element as well, though, because he kind of took a different, like, crazy route that he hasn't been hadn't been doing before. Yeah, you could for sure tell that he doesn't quite know the words to that song, though. Just like you know, general fist bumps and hipping. Yeah, gyrating, yeah. <laughs> pointing and hipping. Yes, it's not how I would have danced, Tom. I'll have a pretty much. Everyone knows the word "you" there. <laughs> for visuals, right off the bat, we all know, and I think we all love the image of a girl in a clean white dress covered in blood. It's classic, works every time, I think. Obviously. But I think another really strong visual element of this film was the the use of the garage. As somebody who's done many, like a janky parking garage photo shoot, lighting in a garage is really shitty and it's really hard to make it look good and to work with it. And I think at no point did I notice that they were like struggling with the lighting at all. There was like great detail in all the shots. You really felt like you were like dark and enclosed and like confined. Um, so I think that was actually probably for me the best part of this movie. Now I will also throw out a worst part, just visually. It's how many times they lingered on P2 written on the wall. It was about like yeah. 20 times. And I was like, okay, we get it. It's P2. That's the title of the movie. <laughs> Did it suffice when we just had the first elevator button shot? Like, could we have just gotten that one button and never see it again? Uh, even all, I'll accept like three to five, but it like went well past 10. And I was like, we're done here. It was definitely a moment where they were like, I can't wait for these Star Wars to end. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you don't, you don't have to name the title of the movie inside the movie, bro. You could just, you know. Just let it be. Okay, but we just talked about this like a week or two ago. The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy when the movie title comes up in the movie, but it came up yeah. too many times <laughs> in this movie. The first shot was like, ooh, eerie mm-hmm. when she walks out the elevator. But then <laughs> after that, you're like- They just kept lingering. <laughs> it's a parking garage. <laughs> you're okay with that kind of stuff? Because it usually like bothers me, you know? It's like reference it. It should describe what's in the movie, but it shouldn't be like, they call him the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I could listen to Mac do this for hours. Uh, I I. I kind of like it i have to say i like it yeah you guys all yes you guys all already like came down on me for like enjoying like in silence of the lambs when they say the silence of the lambs like i don't think i came down on you i mean i think you guys all like talk trash i mean i did think it was too much when she was walking in front of the sign and i was like oh this is the movie poster like i thought that was a little too on the nose but it is what it is but really how are they gonna avoid showing that so many times if you're just in the garage you know that it's everywhere for people who forget where they left their car. I yeah, mean, and they still forget. The shots were intentional. As we talked about earlier, everything should be like Wegmans and have broccoli on the posts. Yeah, I was I'm by uh, the eggplant guys. <laughs> we were having a bit of like brainstorming of like other name titles for this movie regarding parking garage levels, and Wegmans came up, and I was like, this movie could be called Eggplant. And that's it, <laughs> Eggplant 2007. Or celery. What a confusing ride that would have been. It would be horrible. I mean, can you imagine, though, a film like someone accosts another customer for not buying organic? And they just call it Broccoli 2 or something. <laughs> broccoli Rob. Yep. I'm good. E2 <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of broccoli, for me, the worst part of the movie, I have two things that I kind of want to mention. One is there's like a significant portion and I can't even honestly remember what happens before this, but I guess it's, I guess it's when she gets out the car after the crushing against the wall and she just is like running for a long time. And there's a lot of like horrible hide and seek being played. That was like a bit too long. And I think that's where I, where my like 
why is this movie on so long started to set in that feeling yeah it was like a lull that i feel like always happens in like cheese movies yeah like it wasn't like the worst lull i just felt like it was so long and then and then right after that she goes back and then there's just there's just like three chase scenes right in a row and i'm like all right you guys are running around a parking garage this is great (laughs) and then my other one is how long she's knocked out from getting tased like Mm -hmm. it's not how tasers work you you don't die for three <laughs> minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. It, she was like knocked out for so long. She also didn't even shake. Yeah. She just instantly, it was it was like she got punched with a taser. It was weird. That's how I punch people. Ryan, I like that you're bringing up the chase scene uh, because it was a little intense. I just have to say I've been maybe a little bit too much, right? I think Alexis mentioned hyperfixation. Jordan on the Saw 3 episode talked about hyperfixation. I'm really focused on Dead by Daylight right now. And all I can think about in that scene is how terrible of a fucking map that would be to try to survive as a round in the survivor group. Oh, God. I'm lost already. I know Paris mentioned, like, this dress and loves the blood on it and all that sort of stuff. But, like, that costume, I kind of alluded to it earlier. But I don't know. It's just as soon as she woke up and she was tied to the table and her boobs were out, I was like, yep, it's this movie. <laughs> I mean, what else were they going to do? They got to have them titties I out. mean, they were so closed up earlier. I was like, wow, she has some, yeah, nice boobs. I'll say they were not like freed. They were like locked down in the They were stress. like locked down and at her like base <laughs> of her neck. I don't know. I just was like, this is too much for me. Like, did they have to go there like so bad? And then I don't know. It was just an elevator scene too. I was just like, eh, it felt cheap. I'm glad you mentioned that, Alexis, because- I agree. They did go a little bit too far with that. When I was 17 watching this, it was lost on me. Like the emphasis of the breast and chest region was lost on me. I just wasn't looking at it. But looking at it again this time and realizing that that's what people know this movie for. That's what people recognize the poster for. It kind of bums me out. In fact, I stumbled upon the most absurd description of this movie listed on IMDb. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes. Yes, please. Now I'm going to read this. And I promise you I will stop at the end of the sentence. But the sentences are so long and so convoluted. Buckle up. Buckle up and enjoy the ride, really. A buxom businesswoman awakens to discover she's chained to a chair and held captive by a demented, obsessed security guard in the parking garage of the office building where she works. (laughs) Dazed and confused and swimming in dizziness, the groggy vixen tries to shake off the chloroform he clocked her with and become herself again. (laughs) But when the guard suddenly unchains her, he thrusts the still-drugged beauty into a game of cat and mouse, stripped of her business suit and reclad braless in a backless halter, dressed the stumbling executive <laughs> must escape a crazy capture and parking level P2 or receive a deep whiff of chloroform that stops her dead in her tracks and knocks a voluptuous bombshell <laughs> flat on her bare back. Will the buxom beauty escape or become a slave to his chloroformed in two and then it just stops. What? It's the buxom beauty for me. That's what incredible. is a buxom beauty? It's the swimming in dizziness, dizziness for me. This is like when an old person says, you're a handsome woman. That's the feeling I get. <laughs> the buxom beauty in her halter top. They were like buxom, 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 buxom bosom. Bu- bosom this is somebody buxom. who just learned the word buxom. Also, buxom is uh, just a 
a lip gloss brand now and so it's all i can hear it's just a brand at sephora they have great lip plumpers for sure yeah they do can we say though that this dress was the dress that she was carrying and planning to wear to that party so this was of her own selection i don't think we know that she's walking around in the beginning she had the halloween she had the santa costume and then she had her party dress ah uh, that does make sense because literally for a while i was thinking how does he ever size shoes because he'd be real disappointed <laughs> if he kidnapped me <laughs> Yeah, because she was going straight to that party away. He'd be like, dang, girl, why are your feet so big? It struck me as that, as though, like, if that was something that she brought, it was part of a costume that he did not complete dressing. Maybe. That would make sense. Because that, that was like an undergarment, basically. It would have had to have been Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. Yeah, that would have made sense. That was just like a regular dress. No. I mean, yeah, it was low cut, but like she was going to a Christmas party. With little children around yeah with her family it was like a a silk uh what is the basically he was like i'm going to drug you and put you in your slip and then nothing else the slip is what the word i was looking for yeah it was basically a slip so but oh my god that makes so much sense now because i literally i spent a significant amount of time like how does he know her shoe size (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that i could pick out a worse part nothing really hit me as being honestly that bad i mean i didn't want to see the puppy go that was that was sad i don't know if it's the worst part of the movie you know it was made sense in the movie but i think one of the things i liked was that they showed how how bad of a dude tom was and not not like a you're bad like a cool kind of way but like what a jerk off this guy is and everything that he says to her every small little detail all those microaggressions that you mentioned chris like even in dialogue that you just kind of like pass by as you're watching the film, you can like stop, hit pause, read the subtitles and realize like they have done a great job with the script, making him seem like a proper douche canoe. And I got to give him props for that because again, if you're just watching it out of the corner of your eye, you're, you're probably going to miss a lot of those, a lot of those lines. But I think they're really important to show like what he in his mind thinks he is due, right? Like he thinks that the world owes him all of this stuff and that like everyone around him owes this, this dude, all this stuff. But the reality is dude, like you need to just learn how to live life and stop being an entitled douche and probably not talk to women ever. Just saying. And the thing about him is that what they do, like so many people do when they're actually being toxic and fucking manipulative is they will subtly weave in some good points to make it seem like they're reasonable and on your side. You know, when Tom goes to gym, if you cut out like 70% of what he says, the man's got a point. You think you just go touching any woman you want? A woman who is obviously not interested? Stop right there, Tom. You've made your point. That's it, right? And uh, when she's like, oh, he apologized. He's like, oh, he apologized. So he's just a great guy now. Like, yeah, Tom, I feel that, man. I agree with you in that one small fraction of a moment. But he's still a fucking psychopath, right? And that is the reality of it. What I also love, though, is that even looking at Jim's dialogue, right? Jim, who's like the family man who just had too much to drink. He's like, we just had a baby last year. And so he's guilting her and using these shitty excuses to guilt her into not saying anything. Dude, no, if you were actually a really good person, you know not to harass women as a married man. First off, at period. Repeatedly. Mm, exactly. There's just so many layers to why both of them were shit. Did he deserve to die? Probably not, but. Exactly. And then I didn't realize, I don't think we know how aggressive it was until we actually saw the video. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is more. Th- I thought he was just like hitting on her, but like he was like hitting on her actually. Like, yeah, it was intense. Touching her. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the depiction of toxicity in the film is is pretty, just pretty well done. Got to give it credit for that. 
And I think it really lends itself into developing some characters, not necessarily that you can relate to, but that you can understand and, and know that exist in the real world. And some of them don't go this far, but we know that some of them do. And some of them do crazy crap like this all the time. It's like, uh, especially that line uh, when she stops him as he's beating him, he's like, what, Angela, he deserves it. It's like, I mean, it's a little, kind of, kind <laughs> of, but no, but he doesn't. Like the demons inside all of us who want vindication will say, fuck yeah, he deserves it. But realistically, no, Alexis just raises her hand. <laughs> Alexis, are you the little demon inside all of us? I think so. I really am. <laughs> but Paris, you took issue with, uh, with Tom. I did, yeah. From a script standpoint, I think there was a lot that could have been done with this role. I think the actor that was cast in this role did not do a great job. This could have been like a chilling performance. I don't know if you all have seen One Hour Photo with Robin Williams, mm -hmm. but that's a great example of a character brought to life by excellent acting because the script is there. It's solid. You get it. He's a creepy dude, but it's the it's the nuances in the performance. It's the the sort of like off kilter way he says things that makes you really feel like unsettled and you get goosebumps and you're like oh shit i don't feel safe whereas our friend wes bentley on the other hand just went big for every choice he made and was like i'm gonna scream most of the lines half the time it felt like he was about to crack himself up which like even then that would have been like something maniacal that maybe would have taken this further for me but it was just it looked like he was making a joke of it like the role because he didn't really care um and as a result it made me not care and I also felt bad for the actress that was acting opposite him because I was like, she's doing her best to give you a great performance and she's doing a solid job and you're kind of just like shitting on the whole production. I don't know. It didn't work for me. Where I disagree is I don't feel like this character needed that nuance. And this character did have that, right? He was very controlled, very refrained as she was aggressive with him kind of early on. And he, even the nods of like reading Hemingway and the story about a man who just kept loving his woman and forgiving all her transgressions, like... He, he tried. He was calm, cool, collected in, in the loosest sense of the term. And he was until she kept pushing and pushing and pushing, which is the result that she wanted, right? Uh, she was trying to irritate the shit out of him and get him agitated. So maybe he could lose control and lose control over the situation. But I, I just disagree with that. He yelled at the point where it was reasonable for him to yell. And not every psychopath is going to be Robin Williams in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... We get so much of the chilling. We have Hannibal Lecter. We have Robin Williams in one hour photo. We have Creep. You get that so much. I don't mind Wes Bentley taking, putting the range that he did into this character. In fact, I liked it because it shows that not once can you look back and say, oh, no, he was a good guy. He was just trying to help. He's regular psycho. He's not intelligent psycho, <laughs> right? He's just a crazy dude. I feel that, Ryan. It felt like it lacked intelligence, the performance. It was like a dumb psycho. Do we, yeah, I, do we want a dumb psycho or a, an intelligent psycho? I need intelligence in my psychos. He's the everyman psycho, though. He's the yeah. yeah, he's the everyman. I'm a regular person. I'm not crazy. I'm just tired. Like, you just want me to work in this job by myself. I'm just trying to help you out. I'm just trying to take care of you. This guy is a D-bag. I'm trying to beat him up for you. Yeah, there are people you know? like this. Like the, the people who will go off their shit and yell at you when you've done nothing wrong. That is just reality. He's the white knight, like neck beard, like I'm here to make everything right and I'm here to protect you and make you my woman. And you should just like accept this and like, why aren't you grateful for everything I'm doing? And like that exists in real life. And I feel like his depiction was fairly accurate. I think if we had that like smooth talking, like cunning, intelligent psycho, 
it wouldn't have been this character. It would have been a completely different character. And I think because this is the character we're getting, like it adds up his performance of it. I think we could have had a very different character, you know, that, that would have worked in this, in this same kind of situation, but probably it wouldn't have been the same movie at all. Yeah. Because this, this is just like another dude who's obsessive and thinks that the world owes him and that he can do what's best for all the women around him. And he's wrong, obviously, but I think this is a, this is a type of character that exists in real life that we all probably know someone who's like this. I will just add the character. I'm fine with the portrayal. Not so much. And you're right, Mac. I do think this character was missing a neck beard. Yeah. <laughs> they really should have added it. I would like to note, I realize this movie is, you know, quite a few years old. Technology was different back in the day. But this movie is the perfect explanation of why we should all have Apple Watches that have cellular service. Mm-hmm. Because you should have a way to call 911 anytime. Okay. No matter if your phone's gone, right? Someone well, takes it from you. What about the service in the basement? You right, that was, that? that was 2007. We don't talk about that yet. You're oh. going to get service on your watch. You'll be fine. I'm just saying, sure, maybe there's some places that you will Okay, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Being able to reach out for help when you don't have a phone is a very important thing. And as I was watching this movie, I just kept thinking, man, I like don't realize how much this is a thing that I don't think about, but but it makes me feel secure in certain situations. Like if I'm in a parking garage, someone smacks my phone out of my hand. I got, I got a little, you know, put me in a, put me in a trunk. I got a little 911 on my wrist. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is everybody doesn't want to be tracked anymore. Please track me. Okay. Because if I call 911 <laughs> from my watch and I don't talk to them and they don't know what's going on, they're sending somebody to my location. So please track me, track me. Okay. Track me up. <laughs> know where I'm at. Okay. So give, give homegirl some credit though, because when she's finally able to start like looking around for stuff that she can use to try to like defend herself or escape. She is pretty successful. Like the spray in the face. Yeah. That was great. Grabbing the keys, like finding a car to, Mm -hmm. to do that fast and furious moment. in. like, that was great. It was, she was really like biding her time. She did spend way too much time, like looking for those bars though. Like it wasn't going to happen. And she did nothing at first when she did nothing in the room, in the, in the office for like 20 minutes. And he was just talking. I was like, why are you like, trying to outsmart him when you haven't tried anything yet but exactly (laughs) again back to the i've never been kidnapped i don't really know what feels right versus wrong (laughs) what this is it's um the early relatively early -er days and i think in comparison of like cell phones it's like oh this oh thank god we have this modern invention this is exactly the situation it was created for surely i can call for help fuck (laughs) i mean in addition to all the things that she tried to do in her uh, pursuit of escape can we talk about how she found that axe did a brilliant thing by disabling all of those security cameras snuck up on him went into his place and then completely gave herself away by screaming and hitting a television that was of no immediate threat to her oh that was so frustrating that was the dumbest thing she did so dumb i was like okay we get it you're doing like footage of like what you did to her when she was asleep and it's creepy but like you have a mission you need to stay focused this tv is not the problem yeah don't be like her when you make that kind of a move in a horror movie, you typically deserve to die. You're, that's that's yep. very, very, yeah, <laughs> so true. He also applied the world's sloppiest lip, which luckily was fixed before she came, became conscious. So with that being said, I would like to note that in the ending, Tom did not suffer enough for me. That was the thing that was unsatisfying in the ending. Really? He screamed. <laughs> yeah, but she wanted an Alexis thing right where like you see the suffering yeah, yeah i'm saying of all the people <laughs> yeah you want it more you listen 
if the dog is going to die on screen, I needed that man to to be gone. And the f- a fire. The dog suffered more. Yeah, the dog suffered I don't know, more. He got stabbed in the freaking eye. Like, I mean. <laughs> a fire is not fast, though. It's not like, oh, I'm on fire. I'm dead. He's suffocating on his own lung tissue. Correct. So. But unsatisfying to yeah. watch on screen. Like, it just doesn't feel intense on screen. Because you don't get to fully watch it on screen. Yeah, exactly. I don't have fears of, like, burning alive. I don't want to. But it yeah. doesn't, like, frighten me. So I wanted something more gruesome to happen to him. So here's the thing, though, right? We see him start to burn. I can think of many other movies where a body has started to burn and then suddenly they're back for part three or four. Yeah. Do you think that, let's presume Thomas burned to death. Okay, sure. That's situation A. Situation B, he doesn't burn. He is just enough to live to be persecuted. Is that enough suffering for you? No, I didn't say I wanted him to go into a court system because he's a white man. You're so right. So <laughs> I'm good on that. Oh, yeah. The sad reality. So I know it wasn't punishment enough, but was the movie enough to watch again? Because for me, I, I could see myself like throwing it on on the TV in the background and like doing something else, but still kind of watching it. Maybe during the holidays because this gave mm-hmm. me like some serious holiday vibes. It'd totally be something I put on. While I'm putting my Christmas tree up. Oh, Alexis, you're just such a gem. I wouldn't be mad if I was watching this again, but um, it's not like I'm going to go out of my way to turn it on. You know, it's not that memorable, I'd say. Not bad, but not that memorable. Yeah. Even after seeing it this time, I'm still not positive that I hadn't seen it before. Like, I still feel like maybe I did and just completely forgot it. Uh, So if I ever do rewatch it, it'll be because that happened again. Uh, And I'll probably get maybe 20 minutes in and be like, no, I'm not watching this. Yeah, I mean, Alexis, you you pointed out, right? It's uh, give you the serious holiday vibes. I wouldn't say I got serious holiday vibes, but on a scale of Child's Play to Krampus, this definitely is a little bit higher than Child's Play. So I don't think I'd have to watch it for Christmas time or holiday time, you know what I mean? But I would for sure watch it in the winter. Or if I am back in a working environment where I had to park in a parking garage, I might just pop it in for fun. <laughs> But all that considered, certainly not the most dynamic movie, certainly not the flashiest, but let's see what Mac has managed to dig up for actor fiction. Number one, not one, not two, but three different doggos were used to play Rocky the Rottweiler. Mm, Fact. I'm going to say fact because animals have rights. Fact? Yeah, this one's a fact. Animal actor unions, am I right? Yeah, like the tarantula. Instead of the sag, it's the wag. That's rough. (laughs) Number two, Rachel Nichols, who played Angela, donned not one, not two, not three, but 14 different white dresses in this film. Okay, I'm going (laughs) fact on this because I do feel like there were some things that changed. And also, this isn't the type of dress that goes for longevity. Yeah, I support that fact. I feel like this is a Mac answer or question. So I'm going to give a Mac answer and say false just because I think it's maybe like a different number. Like one more, one less. Yeah, Yeah. like 20 more. I have no idea. Nah, dog, it's a fact. Each of them was in a varying state of dirtiness and decay. It's like a capsule wardrobe gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's good for continuity. That's very true. That's good planning wardrobe wise. Number three, that parking garage looked familiar. Don't they all? The film was shot in a stock parking garage on a production lot. Ooh. I'm going fiction. I don't feel like it was shot in a parking garage in some parts. Maybe that has nothing to do with your question. I don't know. I'm just saying fiction here. This is all a guess. This game is all made up. The only parking garage I can think of in 
media is the one from How to Get Away with Murder. And this didn't look like that, so I'm going to say fiction. Was that a parking garage, though, or was that like a... Oh, every episode has like a dramatic parking garage scene. <laughs> you don't recognize this from Candyman 1992? Ooh. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm going to say fiction. You're all correct once again. It's fiction. It was shot in an actual functioning parking garage in Toronto late at night. Huh. Damn. No wonder I couldn't find parking. Wow, your puns tonight? I don't know if y'all have picked up on all of them. Pretty prime. But they're out of control. Thank you. And number four, Rachel Nichols is actually from New York and Wes Bentley is from Maine, the reverse of their characters in the film. Fiction. Sounds like bogus. Yeah, I'll say fiction. I'm going to say fact, but I do have to mention she looks hot as a brunette. <laughs> 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 what? That's a fact. Uh, yep, yeah, that uh, that's the important information uh, in this in this one. No, this so this is fiction. Rachel Nichols is actually from Maine, just like Angela, but Wes Bentley is from AR Kansas, the augmented reality version of Kansas. <laughs> oh, that's pronounced Arkansas. I'm sorry. God oh bless. my God! Jeez, uh, I think your Android jokes have miscalculated <laughs> for today. I'm getting laughter, so therefore I am successful. And number five, director Alexandre Aja whom we should all remember from that Total Slash Crawl, is a Seinfeld fanboy. He got the idea for this film while watching the classic Seinfeld episode, The Parking Garage. Oh my God. I hope it's a fact. I have to say fact. And it feels facty. Fiction. I'm also going to say fiction just because I feel like Mac made this up based on Ryan's comment earlier. Actually, thanks to Tony for this fiction and other contributions to Factor Fiction tonight. But yeah, this was a fiction. Oh man. Ooh. I would have really liked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense. And that's Factor Fiction. Well, thank you so much, Mac. But also, thank you, Tony, our patron, for contributing this little bit to trivia. If you also have trivia, feel free to reach out in your patron portal or hit us up at uh, one of our social media spots. Also, if you're great at making up things that seem like they might be real and have obscure numbers in them, like Mac. I mean, some of those numbers are not obscure, but, you know. Sure, some. But you can also make them up. That's part of the game. Math is hard, folks math is hard well there you have it with that little bit of fact with that little bit of fiction from both mac and tony we have uh, thoroughly discussed p2 from 2007 which are in four slashes in one hack but of course the conversation does not end here we have to know what you all think of it we have to know what your take was on west bentley as thomas and we have to know what your opinion was of angela freaking out and beating up the tv uh and giving away her location so Keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com, and on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you wish we still wore halter tops as much as we did back in the day, you can hit us up at our hackerslash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message, especially if you're international. Or if you're currently locked in a parking garage and looking for a good place to poop, oh. you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening, to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons like Tony. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. Also, we have some new merch to check out on our website, so visit hackerslash.com forward slash merch and take a look. We'll see you next time. Bye.